God, we thank you for that truth. No matter who speaks against us, no matter what Satan says about us, no matter what we say about ourselves, there is a truth for a child of God that we are the redeemed, we are the beloved, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's all because of the cross. Lord, I pray that we would not buy the lie of the enemy or our flesh or this world, but we would live by the truth of your word. Lord, that we would not fall into uh, the, the, the trap of our own feelings, but Lord, we would live by the truth of your word. And that cross does have the final word. As a child of God, who we are is all wrapped up in you, and we thank you for that. We glorify your great name, King Jesus, and it's that great name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to see you this morning, and uh, glad that you're here. We're going to have one final time to look at these chairs, and uh, if you if this is your first time to look at these chairs, I'm going to explain to you kind of what we're looking at this morning. Uh, this is the, the conclusion of the sermon series where we've been preaching about breakthroughs. And so this morning, in looking at this, uh, the description that we're going to put with these is this person, we, we call this first chair, second chair, third chair, just for, to shorten it and kind of sum it up. But this is a person who, it is God first in their life. Their relationship with Christ Jesus is the hub of their life. and All of their plans and purposes and decisions revolve, revolve around him. But this is a person who is fully committed to Christ Jesus. And it's God first, me second. First chair. Everybody with me? All right, here's where, here's where we're going to have to get. Y'all got to talk to me, all right? Y'all got to engage with me, all right? Uh, if you were asleep when you came in here, I know that you're not after the worship service. So second chair. This is the person who has asked Jesus to save them, and yet upon salvation, they, they want to they hold on to God with one hand and, and all the joys of this world with the other hand, and, and that's where the compromise comes in. But a description of this person is me first, God second. Everybody with me? All right, thank you. <laughs> Third chair. This person does not know God, does not know God. They've never prayed to ask Jesus to save them. They've heard about God. They just think it's religion. Maybe one day we'll do that. That's kind of this mentality. And so if that one is God first, me second, and this one's me first, God second, this one's just me. They, they're in conflict because their sinfulness, and, and they don't even understand what that is maybe, but, but their sins have separated them from God according to the scriptures. They are in internal conflict, and they don't even know why, really, but it's because that they're, every one of us, our soul is made by the Creator to worship the Creator. And so when we lack that, we recognize the conflict within us, and we, and we need to, to, to move chairs, amen? We need to turn from ourselves to the Lord. We need to ask Jesus Christ to save us, and we need to change chairs. So this morning we're going to call this first chair, second chair, third chair. This person experiences the power of God in their life. Amen? This person may have seen the power of God, but they don't regularly experience the power of God. This person may have heard of the power of God, but they don't know it. And so as we look at these, these individuals, 
Every person breathing is sitting in one of these chairs. Every person alive is sitting in one of these chairs. And your life is a series of commitments. I need to tell you a little bit of my testimony. Uh, my life, too, is a series of commitments. And as I just kind of jumped to the early 20s for me. In fact, I'll just touch on my, my salvation story. As a seven-year-old boy, my mom and dad talked to me about salvation, and, and I gave my life to Jesus. I asked him to save me. Amen? Seven years old. I could understand what salvation was. So at seven years old, I asked the Lord Jesus to save me, walk the aisle at County Line Baptist Church in Walton, Texas, and, uh, and got baptized there. All I remember about that is it was cold. I do remember that part. But at 12 years old, I walked down the aisle at a, at a church camp, and uh, I, I think I said I wanted to be a missionary. But uh, again, after 12 is 13, and then I, I quickly moved into this chair and was a little idiot for a while because I wanted, to, I wanted to, to, to be all sorts of things. At, at 12, I started rodeoing, rode my first bull at 12 years old. And so at 13, that's all I was going to be. I had every Chris Ledoux cassette tape that you could buy. <laughs> running my motorcycle and rodeo and then all that kind of crazy stuff but but along with that came uh, and of course after 13 I mean it's like you can get in some trouble at 13 but you can really get in some trouble at 16 and so uh, I lived in this chair for some time I, I can tell you that it's more this person is more conflicted than that person because that person don't know how miserable they are this person does and so as a, a, a miserable young man, uh, I thought, well, marriage will fix that. And, uh, and for some of y'all, that's a joke. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Christy and I dated for three years and decided to get married. I come in from the military, and, and we got married. And, and, and you know what? Misery continued. Misery continued. I hated my job. I hated just it, all of the dreams that we had for the previous three years were not coming true. And, uh, and I hated who I was. And then one day in our little newlywed home in Brownsboro, I got down on my face before God and said, God, I don't know if I'm in it at 7, and I don't know if I'm in it at 12. And I knew what chair I was sitting in, by the way. I knew the misery of the second chair. And I said, God, I mean it now. I'm committing my life to you. I'm not playing games. I'm all in. I'm fully committed to you. So our lives are a series of commitments and and series of spiritual breakthroughs, and, and that was a spiritual breakthrough for me. And, and it, it, I was serious. I was, I was going to live my life for the Lord, and I began that day, and I had to make a commitment every day after that. Y'all know it? I need you to understand, I have to make this clear, because I found out that there was some misunderstanding, that, that, that some thought that this chair was the chair of sinless perfection. It's like one of these days I'll be perfect, but I'll never quite make it to this chair. I wouldn't be preaching this if that were the, tr the, the truth. I'm trying to convince you that this is not a chair of sinless perfection. It is a chair of full commitment. And even though I am now fully committed, I still fail. Amen, I still fail. And, and, and that's when I have to pick myself up and commit again. Fresh and anew. We'll talk about that more. But this is a chair that not only can you be sitting here, you should be sitting here. 
You should, it's not just could, you should be sitting here. Unfortunately, in the American dream, many Christians, not, not at all parts of the world, but in America, many Christians are sitting in this chair because they don't know that they can find full fulfillment and satisfaction in this chair. But you can. In fact, that's a miserable seat to sit in. This is the blessed chair and it's the best chair. And you can live a life fully committed to Christ and experience the fullness of His salvation. I want you to look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this will also help describe the three chairs. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, there's these, this passage of Scripture is going to talk about all three chairs. It's going to talk about all three. And so in 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, notice that's capitalized, who is from God. That would be the Holy Spirit. We have received the Holy Spirit. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. By the way, I, I would just go ahead and break that verse of Scripture down. That God has given, freely given, many, many, many things to all of humanity, but some of them don't have them, and some of them could have them, but don't know of them. And so this is why this is clarifying this in this verse of Scripture, verse 13. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. The scripture says in the New King James translation, it says that the natural man, but here's another word for it, the lost person. The lost person cannot receive the spiritual things of God, their foolishness to him. Now I'm going to read it again, verse 14. Just know, as I'm standing here over this chair, I'm talking about this guy or gal. Verse 14, but the natural or lost man does not receive the things. Now God has freely given them, God has freely given them. His grace is a gift, amen? But this person hadn't received them yet. This person has not received the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. In fact, if I look across the page in my Bible, at chapter 1, verse 18, it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. Amen? So, now back to, back to chapter 2. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. I liken this to having a, a radio and in that radio uh, is a device that captures the sound waves. They're all in this room. Uh, they're... They might be in this room. This room, you could the CIA could have a conversation in this room and it would be secure. This metal building, you can't get a phone signal in this metal. I can tell you that. But, but there are things going on in the airwaves called sound waves and a radio can pick up those sound waves and turn them into to something that you can understand and hear. A lost person, God may be speaking, but this person's not picking it up. They don't have the spiritual ability to do so because they have not been born again. Y'all with me? They don't, they're not able. And so this is the natural person. Now, verse 15. But who, he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Y'all with me? 
What's this guy? The natural. What's this one? The spiritual. All right, now when I ask you this time, I want you to respond, okay? What is this person? And also, which means what? They're lost. Amen. And this person is spiritual, which means they are saved. Amen. Well, what is this person? Let's keep reading it. So, this person is miserable. <laughs> That's what this person is. But the spiritual judges all things. That, chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. You know what's wrong with a baby? Nothing at all if they are a baby by age and not by choice. There's nothing wrong with it. We, we had a, a baby in here in the first service sit on the front row. He didn't sit on the front row by himself. He's a week old. He was being held. <laughs> you know what's wrong with that? You know what's wrong with that baby? Nothing. He's perfect. And it's perfectly fine that he needs someone to feed him. He's only a week old. But if at 20 years old, he still has baby characteristics, there's something either wrong or he is just immature by choice. If there is a Christian and you've been a Christian for a long time, and you're still sitting in the eye chair because it's all about me, 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 me. And you're trying to hold on to God with one hand and hold on with the world with the other. You're in a compromised condition. And and what you are called in the Scriptures is carnal. Carnal. As I, chapter chapter 3, verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as the spiritual people, but as to carnal, as the babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able. Still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? This is a reminder of this compromise as a, a compromised, carnal, complacent, complaining. How does complaining fit in here? Because it's all about me. This is the person that wants the closest parking spot and the furthest seat and the first in line at the restaurant. I want the first to get my food. I want this is the person that's all about me. By the way, if you're sitting on the back row, I did not mean you today. <laughs> All right. Uh, but this is the person who says, I, yeah, I have prayed to receive Jesus. But is he really Lord of your life? And so this person is what? Natural. This person is what? This person is what? All right. I'm going to help you out. This person is lost. This person is what? And what in the world is this person? Miserable. (laughs) Got just enough Jesus to make them miserable. So, where are you sitting? Everybody breathing right now is sitting in one of those chairs. And and I hope it's real obvious to you where you're sitting. And, And if you don't like where you're sitting, you today can change chairs. It's your choice. It's your choice to change. God won't make you change. God is a God of love. He presents the opportunity to you and gives you the choice. And so it's your choice to change chairs and you can, and you can do that today. And so I want, you to, I want you to turn with me now to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. 
In Romans 12, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, I don't use that word beseech unless I'm reading Romans chapter 12, <laughs> verse 1. It's not a word I use every day, so let me explain to you because I'd have to have somebody explain it to me. He said, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. So here I presented to you the reality of the three chairs, and, and here's what I'm doing today. I'm begging you. If you're in this chair, I'm begging you to get saved today. Why would I beg you to get saved today? Because I love you. Even if I don't know you, the love of God compels me. I'm in the ministry of reconciliation, the Bible says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so, because I love you, I want to tell you that there's a God who loves you, and I'm begging you to change chairs. If you're in this chair, I'm begging you to change chairs. I know the misery of this chair. I know the misery of this chair. I told you that as a teenager, I lived there, and then when I got married, I, I continued to live there, and I thought that would fix it. I, I kind of all through my life, I just thought this thing or that thing would fix it. I would keep a job for about six months and and uh, get bored with it and 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 hate it and just I'm, I'm sick of that. I'm going to move on to something else that'll fix it. And if it was wild and crazy, I'd do that because surely that'll fix it. And, and I was just miserable. And so after we got married, I was miserable still. And then I realized it's because I'm sitting right here. So one day in our little house, I got down on my face and said, God, I want to commit all to you and and when that when I did that things changed in my life and I already shared that with you but here's what happened next I'm in a church service and I didn't talk it over with Christy it, it was something that just happened in an instant and God had been building it up and I I didn't realize it had been building up in me but it was and, and so when the invitation was given that day the song was I'll go where you want me to go dear Lord over mountains or plains or sea I'll say what you want me to say and I'll be what you want me to be and I walked that aisle and I, and I came to the front and I said, I, I'm surrendering my life to ministry. And I said what I said at 12 years old, I won't be a missionary. I didn't know exactly what that meant. I actually ended up being a missionary. But, but, uh, but what I really was saying is, I want to follow Jesus wherever he leads. Guess what? Another commitment. I made that commitment where I told the Lord, I'm tired of messing around. I'm all in. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to live for you. And then it leads to a series of commitments. And so God took me to another level with that commitment. Amen. I want to tell you something. Life did not get easy. It got real hard at that time. As I walked that aisle at Rock Hill Baptist Church in Brownsboro, Texas, a little country church at the time. It ain't no more. It's a big old church now. But I, I, I walked that aisle and I said, I... I'm all in. Well, the youth pastor at the time, his name was Ron Skinner. We called him Sweet and Low. He's about that tall, about that big around. <laughs> Sweet and Low said, you're talking to the teenagers Wednesday night. I said, okay. I was scared to death. I was scared to death. I thought, well, these kids, gonna, they don't care about a word I got to say. Well, I shared a little bit of my story, and they flocked to me at the end of the service. I'm like, what in the world is happening here? This is the most awesome thing I've ever experienced. And so uh, the preacher, the day that I surrendered to ministry, said, you need to get an education. And you're listening to me and said, you ain't got one yet, probably. He heard my country mouth, and he said, you need to go get educated. So uh, I went off to school, and Christy and I did, and that meant a lot of sacrifice for us. It got tough. We, we, my brother set up a little single-wide trailer house, and I farmed watermelons for him, and and uh, I, I served as a youth pastor, a little church in Jefferson, and, and I uh, 
worked at a grocery store there in Harleton, Texas. I, I, I stocked groceries and sacked groceries, and, I, and, and they also had a, a, a deer process, and so I skint deer. <laughs> it, was a, it was one of those one-for-all stores. You got gas, you got your video, uh, your, your movies, and you can get your deer processed. I did all that, and, uh, and I was a full-time student. And you know, I went from being miserable in which the conditions were actually pretty favorable for a young couple to being poor as we could be. We had nothing. For a while, we didn't have water. We didn't have electricity. We cooked on a Coleman stove. We had to pump it up. I had to go take a five-gallon bucket down and get water, and that was how we... But I'm going to tell you, I was blessed. Why? Because I was now living a committed life and following through with what God called me to do. The circumstances didn't change that. The circumstances got worse when I changed chairs, and that's okay. But I wasn't living for the circumstances anyway. I was living for my Savior. Amen? Since then, there's been a series of commitments, and one of those, I, was, uh, I won't give you all the story, but I mean, my entire life story. But uh, one time, uh, our, some of our church members at Sand Springs, we went to Glen Rose, and we were there at the state park in Glen Rose. And I, I brought my mountain bike there, and, and I rode to the top of that little mountain uh, on that mountain bike. And, and I got to the top, and, and it, it may sound goofy to you. If someone would have been watching, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I took me a bunch of, of rocks there on the top of that mountain, and I stacked them up. I sat down on those rocks and I said, God, I'm committing my life fresh and anew to you again. Now, I was pastoring Sand Springs at the time, but I also knew that this is a daily decision to commit. It was a mile marker in my life and I, I sat down on that altar and I was reminded of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God. So when I present myself to Him, I commit myself to Him. What does He say that is? Holy and acceptable. He says that is, that is precious in His sight and He accepts the offering of my life. Amen? Holy and acceptable unto God. And so I, I committed myself and, and so I sat down on those rocks and I said, Lord, I'm, I'm recommitting myself to You today. I really wasn't satisfied with that. I, I don't know if y'all know it, but I can walk with my backside. <laughs> y'all act surprised. You know how you can squirm and you can ooch out of that chair and you can ooch off that altar? Ooh, what did I kick? <laughs> and though, you know, though I may commit today, tomorrow I find myself squirming off that altar. So I said, God, that's not good enough. I, I got off those rocks and I repositioned them and I laid down on there just like a dead animal. And I'm just like, God, I am committing my all to you. Committing my all to you. Again, the problem with the living sacrifice is tomorrow I have to recommit. I have to choose again that I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and so there are those choices. There's those days where I failed. This is not a chair of sinless perfection that maybe one day you'll reach. That's not what we're talking about here. This is a chair of I'm committed, God. And even when I fail, I'm going to recommit, God. Amen. Does that make sense? 
And so as that day, as I committed myself to, again to the Lord, I'm reminded what it says in verse 2. And do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed. Remember, the carnal man could not understand the deep things of God. It is the transformed mind, that spiritual mind, that can understand the deep things of God. But being transformed by the metanoia, the renewing of your mind. And so it requires me to think differently than the person who still lives for me first, God second. It requires me to think differently, and he, tra he supernaturally transforms my mind. I want you to turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I, I, I'm, I'm reminded that, man, I can, I can squirm, I can walk with my butt. <laughs> I've got, I can ooch out of that chair of commitment. And, and, and you know, when I do, I immediately fall over here in this chair of compromise. And so I have to commit myself fresh and anew and remind, I'm, remind myself, I am crucified with Christ. I died with Him on the cross that day. I've submitted my life to Him. Uh, my, and, and I know that sounds bad that you died. But I'm going to tell you, it's glorious to say, not my will, God, but your will. Because my will continues to get me in a mess. But your will is perfect. And when I'm living for you, I am most fulfilled and I am most satisfied and I am most joyful. This is a miserable chair. But this is the best chair. And it's the blessed chair. And it's your choice to be there. I've been crucified with Christ. But I'm still living. Yet not I but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. And if he loved me and he gave himself for me on the cross of Calvary, then what is my proper response if I love him? I give myself for him. And if that sounds less than fun, if that sounds... Uh, a little bit restricting or constricting, can I encourage you to try it sometime? <laughs> because the misery that I had in this thought that I thought, well, something else, I need to add something else to my life and maybe that'll bring fulfillment. I need to add, uh, maybe it's the job I am that I'm in. Maybe it's a new hobby. Maybe I need to do this or that. All of the things that you add in your life won't bring it. It's when you commit yourself to Jesus Christ. You find what joy is. You find satisfaction. I had an, an old friend, he's now dead and gone, but uh, he told you, Carrie Harris, one day when he came by your quick lube shop, he said, so I understand Eric's preaching over at Sand Springs now. Yeah. He said, well, just expecting to be there about six months. <laughs> he used to be my boss. I worked for him actually a couple of times. Because when you're miserable, you just can't stay put. I stand here in the pulpit and watch many miserable people that just cannot stay put. And, and so I, 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 I'm grateful today to be able to say that old friend was wrong. This month makes 19 years I've been pastoring this church. Amen. 
When you commit to the Lord, He brings fulfillment and satisfaction that you won't ever find in the things of this world. That's the blessed chair. That's the best chair. And it's your choice to be there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you show us the opportunity, you show us the blessings, and you show us your will, and then you give us a choice. And you give us a choice because you love us. You could wad us up and throw us in there. But that ain't love, and so you don't do it that way. You could take away our human mind and will and have us operating like robots, mindlessly serving you and worshiping you. But that's not love. So that's not how you do it. But this morning you have shown us spiritual truth and Lord, I pray that right now that you would open up the understanding of every person in the room. Lord, I don't always communicate things well and this is where I trust in you, Holy Spirit, as it goes from my mouth to their hearts to translate it for me. So Lord, I pray that this morning that there'll be some chair changing. And this ain't no game. It's, it's not like musical chairs. You don't ever leave us hanging with nowhere to sit. Not when we land on the foundation of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So Lord, I thank you that I've got testimony after testimony after testimony of how you were faithful. When I committed, I committed everything faithful oh I remember the wrestling I remember the struggle saying Lord if it were just me I could live in a tent but I got a wife now and then I remember the later struggle Lord if it's just me and her we could get by but I'm a dad now you impacted me as you spoke to me I doubted your goodness I guess you said you can trust me with your family Lord you have been faithful and you have taken care of my family and I thank you I thank you. I thank you for the fulfillment and the joy of the first chair. Even when we didn't have a dollar to our name. Oh, but we were walking in the will of God. Thank Lord this morning there's a lot of folks that are struggling with this right now. They're struggling whether or not they could trust you, Lord. They're struggling whether or not they can fully commit to you because there's a whisper in their mind of, but you got to make a living. You got to take care of your family. You, you got to 
lot of thoughts going on there. I, I can I can relate. Lord, I came to find out that you are God and you are good and you are trustworthy and you take care of us and you call us and we step out in commitment, faith. You take care of us. You, you take care of our families. You provide for our needs. Because you're good. In spite of what we feel or think, you're good. And you're always right. And we love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.